Blog Talk Radio. One evening, an elderly Cherokee <laughs> told his grandson about a battle that goes on in people. Uh, he said, my son, this battle is between two wolves that are inside of us all. One is evil. One is angry, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, superiority, and ego. The other, however, is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and he asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, it's the one you feed.
Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning. It all depends on what part of the world you are listening. Welcome. Okay, namaste. Hola. Welcome to another episode of the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show. My name is Will Green, holding down one half of hosting duties here. Uh, Every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Holding down the other half of our hosting duties is my dad, my best friend, the Lions historian, Daddy-O. Daddy-O. You can hear him (laughs) chuckling in the best happening, Daddy-O. I always like calling you Daddy-O. Like, what does that mean? Just just watch some of them old movies, Daddy-O. You know, you can catch it. Right on. Yeah, hey, what's, what's, what's up, music. man? How yeah. you doing? Hey, man. Uh, first of all, what's up? What's up, Wilfredo? <laughs> yeah, my man. <laughs> my best friend, you know, with with no slight to my other two sons. You know, he's he's my best oldest son friend. Hey, I hope that'll make them feel yeah, better. I, I like that. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. I, I could talk for two hours on one of these shows. Just about how much I appreciate <laughs> you being in my life, man. <laughs> you know, so man. so I won't say a whole lot more. So I'll find myself still talking two hours from now <laughs> about it. You know, well, what a guy, well, you, man. You, what a guy. You know, well, be- before 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 that happens, then that that's actually a good segue into our re- our reminders to our listeners. Um, as you know, you are, for those of you that are listening online. Our chat room is open already. Um, if you would like to call in, one of the things that we like about our show is our ability to engage with you all, the listeners. Uh, so not only can you engage with the chat room online, but you can give us a call live on this show tonight, every Thursday night. The call-in number is 516-453-6094. Press 1 on your keypad. That will put your number in the queue. And let us know you want to come in, and what I like to say, what I like to say, is uh, share the power of your effect. Uh, also, one of the other yeah. reminders, our big reminder, uh, we like to make sure that you grab a pen and pad, a pencil and paper, a post-it note, a marker, back of an envelope, whatever you got. Um, you know, you might have some questions you may want to ask us. You might even pick up something you want to keep with you from our show. You know, who knows? Maybe. Once or twice, my dad and I will shoot in the air and kill a fish. So uh, you might pick up something from our show as well. <laughs> yeah, I like that, man. I got to write that down. <laughs> shoot in the air and kill a fish. Man. Old wise man told me that. Um, Why well, he got to be old? <laughs> it's the wolf you feed, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, y'all got to kind of bear with us tonight. We're kind of we kind of cranked, you know. So um, it's a lot been happening. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot already in the last seven days. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's man, actually just man. getting off the show last night. Getting off the show last night. I mean, last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Turning on the news mm-hmm. and and immediately I see a black woman getting arrested in Georgia. Like what is going on? You know, what's going right on? Right after our show mm-hmm. last week, what right now? after that last week, right yeah. now what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
So it's been a it's it's a it's a a lot of things have been going on. You know, another seven days have passed since the last show, and it's a lot of a lot of things happening. You know, voting mm-hmm. rights, uh, the the mm-hmm. trial involving George Floyd, uh, um, some things that we even didn't get a chance to talk about last week. You know, uh, still kind of has some uh, residue still to this day that needs I think we should address, but. You know, before that, mm-hmm. I do want to touch on something. Um, it's been kind of an a interesting day for me um, because it's opening day in baseball. And I know we don't really get a lot into sports. But it's funny because right before the show started, I got uh, a notification or alert from the Weather Channel, and it was about snow. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, right. Well, you know, I mean, if, for those of you that don't live in Chicago or, you know, haven't spent a lot of time in Chicago around this time of the year, it still snows, especially on opening day. Um, it's mm-hmm. just really funny. You're like, oh, it's an April Fool's joke or whatever. No, no, no. It's 35 degrees right now here in Chicago. And and snow was here this morning and is on the way again here tonight. And I was telling Dad this earlier. That's why we were chuckling. Just been kind of cranked all day because we were like, oh, yeah, it's open today. So, of course, it's going to snow. So, you know, that's our little joke between both of us. So, yeah, bear with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'm glad you told him that ahead of time. Yeah. And was there another piece of news you wanted to share? Or did you want to wait until later on in the show? Well, you know what? Um, I just – we can – just say, you know, uh, shouts out and welcome, hello, just a big uh, thank you as well to our new friends, uh, our new family of the Green Effects, if you will, uh, our friends in Iowa at K-Dub Radio, K-K-D-U-B, K-Dub Radio, K-Dubcityradio.com. Every Wednesday night at 6 p.m., you can catch a rebroadcast of the Greenhouse Effect radio show. And so this is really exciting, uh, another awesome opportunity for for Dad and I to, you know, expand our brand, if you will, but for another opportunity for you all to catch up on our shows if you haven't taken mm-hmm. advantage of the other archives opportunities. But we really just want to give a big thank you and shout-out <laughs> to uh, Alanda Gregory and her, hus- and her husband, Matt Zill, um, for, you know, allowing us to share the power of our effect on uh, Dove City Radio. DoveCityRadio.com, K-Dub Radio. So, yeah, and, and they're you. carrying us live on Thursdays, right? Um, I, you know that. what? I'll have to double-check that and make sure. Okay. That would be awesome okay. if they could do that. I thought that's what but I that, read, but, you know. Yeah. But 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 you know uh, what what's probably happening is that you you're uh, already forecasting it. You you might be man- making ah, it manifest okay. right now. So uh, that's where I'm at man. tonight. <laughs> man, if that if you that's easy, be... I think I read I got a couple couple meal coming tomorrow. <laughs> if that's all it takes for me to just say it. Yeah, where my where my meal? <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. I'm I'm sorry. Let me stop. I think I'm having I'm having post. COVID shot vaccine reaction right now. So I, I think it hit my mm. guinea button. So I, 
I'll chill out. Mm. Uh, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get official, man. I, <clears throat> okay, I got my official voice going now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, I'm going to bring you right back from that thing, because, because wait, you got your uh, your second shot now, right? Yeah, I got it um, Tuesday. Um, okay, and and it was it was, um, you know, the first go round was was. I thought everything was fine. I mean, I was sailing along, and then around the second day, things started getting a little fuzzy. And then for the next few days after that, you know, I was um, I was in and out, so to say. And I finally called a, um, a nurse at, at my doc's office, and she she made me feel a lot better. You know, she made me feel a lot better by telling me that it, that my reactions were normal. <laughs> So I felt a lot better being miserable once she told me it was normal to be miserable. And so this time, you know, everyone was talking about how the second shot is, oh, it's, oh, my God, worse. And, um, man, when they hit me with the needle, not only did I not feel it, I mean, not at all, but um, Mm. the nurse didn't even give me a Band-Aid, didn't even bandage it. She said, man, you're not bleeding. And I looked at her and I said, is that good or bad? (laughs) <laughs> is, that like a, is that a negative reaction to the shot, you know, when you don't bleed? So, so she had a good chuckle at my expense. Wow. And she said, no, it's just rare not to see that, not to see someone not bleed, you know. Um, so I thought maybe they did, Maybe they gave me a placebo shot. They didn't even have a needle in right. the syringe. She just pushed right. on my skin, you know. Yeah, well. Well, that went away by the evening. <laughs> it's like, nah, based on everything I read, man, my mouth was my mouth was dry as dirt, man. My mouth was so dry, I couldn't I couldn't part my lips. <laughs> like, I, man, I mean, it was, it was oh my goodness. <laughs> and I mean, I looked. I don't know if you ever I don't know if you ever watched Dave Chappelle, but he had a skit about the crack dude, and the lips were all white. That's how my lips felt, man. They felt crack oh white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, goodness. you know, and it was a rough night. But then yesterday, um, um, yesterday, I, I, I felt better. And when mm-hmm. I woke up yesterday morning, it, it gradually eased up. And um, today has been, you know, pretty cool. I mean, pretty cool. But that's how it was after the first shot. So I'll wait and see how I feel tomorrow. But, you know, I'm not having any of the reactions, you know, that people were telling me that they were having after the second one. So right on. Mm-hmm. Um, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm good. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And Amen. that's really all yeah, I got to say about the – go ahead. Go ahead, Will. No, just that it seems like it's like taking a 48-hour process, it seems like. That seems to be yeah. the the uh, average, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's how my body reacts to most things. It's usually the second day. You know, um, like if I've exerted myself, um, I usually I feel maybe a little sore the first day, but the second day is where it really shows up. You know, um, if I'm starting to feel a, a sinus attack coming on, it's usually the second day when it really hits me the heart. You know, that's just the way my body yeah. you know, just seems to operate. You know, it gives yeah, me just enough time to deny there's a problem, <laughs> and, and then it lets you know there is a problem. Yeah, like, you know, what was your problem? What did you think? <laughs> you thought you were getting away clean this time? So, all right, man, I think, do we have a show to do? Or are we Is it, are we done? 
Hey, we we are the show. What do you mean here? <laughs> Amen. Right we on. are the show. Right now, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't got a vaccination yet. I mean, you know, right now it's not like I'm working around a lot of people or anything like that. So I just haven't seen the the urgency in getting it right now. But that's not to say yeah. that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to get it. You know, I'm I'm not just completely dismissing. You know the the vaccine. You know I've had my conspiracy theory theories here and there, but I really don't. Right. Know. We've yeah. talked about it before on the show. You know, and mm-hmm. one thing actually, one mm-hmm. thing that you said in a previous show uh, about the the vaccinations and everything, and you know we've addressed uh, the history of Black Americans and being guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but there's something true. that you said that one night where you know, I mean, that's that's true, but you know, there's more than just Black Americans getting this vaccination. You know, it's uh, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody, yeah, getting. man. You know, and I went to this place. It's it's like a a big. It must have been a department store, like Dillard's or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if you're familiar with Dillard's, but it's like just a big mm-hmm. department mm-hmm. store. And the first floor was, like, just cleared out and dedicated to people coming, you know, for their shots. And so mm. both times, when I went the first time and this time, and it's a big hall. And, I mean, you walk in, I mean, you have a designated time, like 1245. You don't come in until 1245. And, you know, the people before you, they have it's no, you know, just showing up at the door and forming a line. So it's a constant movement. I mean, the whole thing is just, it has, it was really put together like clockwork. But I'm still, you know, I've been around my son too long, so I got the conspiracy theory eye going. And then I'm just watching, you know, let me see, let me see who's in front of me. Let me see if they switch the vials around, you know. <laughs> if there's somebody white in front of me, did they go to a particular section of vials and then, when I sit down, did they push them out the way and grab another one? Let me be sure they ain't a, a black file that they be grabbing. No, man, you know, these folks should right. be right. shooting you up and sending you on your way, man. So it, it's like right on. That's what it's all about. But at the same time, I respect totally the choice um, that that individuals make about whether it's just no different than people making the choice about getting a flu shot. The same thing. Well, I don't know if I want to be, you know, because they'd be shooting that flu up in you. And, you know, folks of, you right. know, white and black have always been somewhat, you know, a little speculative about getting any kind of vaccine. And, you know, like, so this one being so brand new and it being all of a sudden nothing and then bang, we got like, what, four different um, types of vaccines being offered and, so, yeah, I can understand. You know, I was even talking to a nurse friend of mine, and she told me she's not getting the shot. But she works in administration, and she's not dealing directly with um, patients. And um, so I guess, you know, whatever her attitudes politically or otherwise are, I guess she feels comfortable enough. But I tell you, you know, if I'm in the, you know, if I'm in the zone, man, if I'm in the COVID zone, I want to know as a patient that everybody attending to me has taken the vaccine. You know, I don't need them giving me what I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> anyway, that's, but I fully respect people um, having to wrestle with that. I mean, in, in my family, two of my sons, you know, one a scientist, right, and one a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, both of them are fine with, you know, the idea of getting shots. But then I have another son who's like a, has a music ministry deep in the church, 
and he feels it's contrary to his scriptural understanding to get a shot, you know, for him or his family. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, and I can respect that. I can respect that mm-hmm. for no other reason because we hear what we hear, and when we pray to hear, who am I to argue what one person hears compared to another? So I'm 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 in full accordance with all three of you guys, you know. But at the same time, I got to hear my own voice too, and my voice said, "Your old ass better get on up there and get a shot." <laughs> so, <laughs> so there it is. Man. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and that's you know, I, you know yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Now, I'm just going to say, you know, like uh, last year at this time, I was in Austin, if you remember, and I was um, there initially just to be there for a couple weeks to house it for a friend of mine who right. um, had to rush back to Switzerland because her dad died unexpectedly. And um, so she asked me if I could just house it for for a couple weeks, and then a couple weeks turned into six months because she couldn't get flights back because the COVID thing just globally took off. But I, so I sat in Austin for six months, somewhat in semi-solitude, which I had no problem with. And, um, but it gave me all that time to really get an understanding of this virus that was, you know, circling the globe and listening to all the, the shifts in attitudes, you know, and the, and the denials and the resistances, but in the meantime, the um, deaths, you know, and 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 the um, challenges that globally people were having to deal with as well. So it gave me that time to just prepare myself. I think for the next six months when I turn return home, and you know we we're, we're a very diverse family in this in this home, and you know everybody walks um, uh, walks a different trail so to say. And so I really had to just be on top of my game as far as if this is what you think is best for you, then you really knuckle you really need to knuckle down and 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 be um be alert and be due diligent about taking care of yourself. And then to come that full year and then finally be able to um get both of the shots, I felt like I was well prepared. And I missed a wedding, you know, your younger brother's wedding, because I just didn't feel comfortable last June and traveling to Florida of all places, you know. And um, there I go. Also, I'm I'm, I'm trying to check my (laughs) you-knows. It's going to be hard. After hearing my voice yesterday on on K-Dub's replay of our show, I didn't realize I say say you-know almost every, every sentence, you know. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, I started checking all that, man. I, I just came to the realization that that is an effort for me to commit myself to doing something I've never done before that I feel, you know, uh, required to do. It's like what you've been teaching over past shows about mindfulness. Yeah, to be mindful means to be aware of what I do and what I resist doing, and to be mindful of it and to be mindful of what's going on with me when I, you know, when I step up to the plate and deal with responsibilities, but be mindful to recognize when I don't. I wish I had never heard that program. <laughs> you, know, you, you messed up my game. All of a sudden I had to become conscious of my behaviors because of, I heard this dude talking about mindfulness. So right on, man. 
Um, so anyway, I feel yeah. like I've come full cycle a year later. I feel very mm-hmm. self-satisfied with my approach toward taking care of myself regarding this um, this 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 pandemic. So you know that that's where I am with all that. Thank you for letting me you know blabber. No, I, I'm glad that you use a couple of different little points to connect there um, that I just wanted to to come back and talk about. I think, uh, first of all, Dillers, I think Dillers is, is like owned by the same parent company as Carson's, I think. So it was just, I would think you know, so. They kind I made of laid it. out the same way. Yeah, good point. Yeah, go ahead. Because I, yeah, I know, right. yeah, I know, you know, you, you know, old school Carson's, you know, I'm part of Carson's, you know, yeah. so it was just, I just wanted to bring that out that <laughs> wanted to make yeah. that note. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. you know, the mindfulness thing, <laughs> even with the, the mindfulness point you made at the end and and uh, the decisions of people to take it and not to take it, and I think mm-hmm. the thing that we all should consider is when we talk about mindfulness or whatever, uh, and even in later on and later on tonight we talk about goals and stuff, it's like it's um you know why? Why are you taking it, or why are you not taking the vaccination? You know, and I hope that mm-hmm. you're not taking the vaccination because of just stuff that you hear. You know that you're taking the vaccination because of something that you've studied or you researched or you believe, or you know, it's, right. a, it's a part right. of your belief system or something like that. Right. Not because, right. not you know, yeah, not because you're going by rumors, not because you're going by social media. Not because you're going by, you know, you, you've taken the time to find the reason for it, and not because what somebody right. else said. So, my man, so I, I think exactly. that's even, yeah, I, I think that's even a part of even being mindful, you know. Because at first I was like, nah, I'm not going, I'm not going to do that, man. You know, they putting a five G in my arm. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know they. They're going to track me down. You know, they're right. going to get me. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, and even in, in the discussions they're having now about uh, passports, vaccine passports, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I, I, and part of me thinks that's a good idea and part of me feels like it's not. Again, that conspiracy will comes back in and it reminds me of, of, of movies, of uh, futuristic apocalyptic movies, uh, do you have your papers? You got your papers. You you right, can't pass. Right, Let yeah, me scan you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it becomes a yeah, whole different yeah. kind of society. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially when but, when we in real time see it turn so much into a political issue instead of a health mm-hmm. issue. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but I mean, for for those that that need to travel, you know, for those that take a plane every week. Uh, yeah. You know, that is something I think that people should consider, especially if you're going out of the country. You know, you being in 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 Austin for what turned out to be a longer period of time, you know, could have been a shorter time if there was a vaccination yeah. passport. You know. Yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just something something to consider. I'm still on the fence, you know, with it, but. Um, you know, to be honest with you, but I think it it is something that um, should be discussed, you know, and should be looked at and not forgotten 
until they pass a law and everybody says, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you know, even then it's still going to be, be political. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right on, man. Just, just you know, uh, do, you, do, you, do your research. You know, yeah. Support your decision based on what you, what you learn. You know, and that's um, what you've been saying. Hearsay. You've been saying that. Yeah, yeah, and you've been saying yeah. that since the beginning. Well, since we've been talking about it on the show, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and one, and one, one last thing in, in this in this discussion about COVID, um, and another point that you've well, made really is how, you know, how this this situation has become some inconvenience. For some people, you know, people dallying the yeah, convenience man. and inconvenience of this yeah. COVID. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, it's it's just uh, I sometimes sit in awe and watch how people socialize with each other in, in a group of people. And I don't mean, you know, like I mean like a group of people, like a party. You know, and people out here partying mm-hmm. and, and kicking it like things are the way they were. They want to say go back to normal, but that's that's not. You need to stop saying that. You know, but they want to. They're doing things without any regard of where we are right now, and it's just amazing yeah. to me. And then, with them doing that, we also have these issues of mass shootings and people not being safe and everyday activities. Um, you know, so not only are you wanting to still coax, uh, what's the, is it, is it coax, coax your convenience? <laughs> you want to, you know, find those things that That's good the way it's easy to, to put it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you know, but, I mean, the the it just makes me wonder about their regard for safety. You know, I mean, you know, Chicago has always had a history of, of gun violence, so for us, when people talk about mass shootings, we're like, oh, is it a holiday? You know, I mean, it's it's just kind of commonplace. But right. still, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny, but it's not because these, these cats are out here. These cats, I'm getting too comfortable. Because these people out here, you ain't got a mask on, you're partying, and then you still got to worry about getting, you know, bullets too. It's like COVID's on the rise and so is bullets. But when and the, do you and, draw and the, the line? In the convenience sake. Or when is it recognized that it's putting a double whammy on on the hospital core? You know, they're Mm. they're already, you know, overtaxed with dealing, you know, like in in, in Mm. certain areas of the city with, you know, high um, gang violence, let's say, you know, shooting related. And they're already overtaxed with, with, with what's going on anyway. And then you bring in something that, None have really been totally prepared for. It overwhelms, you know, the hospital core, but the hospitals still have to deal with what they deal with every day on top of it. So when does the awareness and when does the due diligence and when does the consciousness kick in in in, in recognizing COVID is not an option? It, you know, it's, it's not a, a disease of convenience. It, it, it's something that, Along with everything else, like you're saying, whether it's mass shootings or whether it's, you know, the typical crime that goes on in, in any given city at any given time, the, the the regular, not regular, but the ongoing issues of illness, 
and uh, trauma that people are dealing with, we don't have a luxury of, of places to go. So it's not like there are auxiliary hospitals, you know, in waiting for the overflow of, of, of COVID issues. It's like the same system. You know, it's, it's like how much can you overload a, a electrical socket before it blows? Well, this, this system is, is being overtaxed. And, you know, and, and so we can't always get by on ignorance as justification for acting stupid. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm already turning into a political argument on my end. Sorry about that. Well, that's, you, you still brought up a great point, though. I mean, even those who are working in the um, – um, I, I can't think of the term. What do we call that? The uh, essential workers, the, you know, the, the people that work in the hospitals. I, I mean, I didn't even think about that, really. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, people yeah, in the party and ain't thinking about it, you know, but no, just to reduce no, right. those cases, man, that's the, yeah, the, yeah. How, our decisions, how our decisions affect other people. That's a serious, that's a serious and very legit point. Yeah, I'm glad yeah man, so... Yeah, so, you know, like, okay, you can, like, yeah, you know, I ain't, so what, let's go on out, let's have a rap or whatever it's called, let's go on and, you know, party like it's 1999, let's go, yeah, okay, if we get sick, we get sick, well, that's fine. You know what, you laughing at me, 1999. You know, that's fine, but the thing is, it ain't just you. You know, it's not just you. And, it, and, you know, before things get back to normal, how does it get back to normal when, you know, when over 550,000 people in this country have died from this thing in a year, in a year? You know, how does, how does normal return to a family that has lost somebody but still hearing about the ongoing issues politically that somehow suggest, oh, yeah, they're just victims of, of – Indifference. I mean, how did the families return to normal? You know, how did the family and friends of the families return to normal? You know, like, what is normal for them, you know, who have lost loved ones to this illness when in a country like ours so much indifference has been the leading charge to addressing yeah. the ongoing issues? You know, I mean, how do, you know, how do people return to normal when your president, the leader, of the free world, as he's called, is thumbing his nose at people who are sick and, and or dying from this disease by saying the crazy things, the, in, the insensitive things, the ignorant things that he has said about something that he knows nothing about. It's just listening to one of his henchmen, Navarro, whatever his name is, Navarro, you know, and he was blaming Fauci for the, for the, for the virus. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. his ego out of out of custody, and that's why, you know, it's like, you know, Trump just didn't exist for this past year. It's everything and everybody else. So, what? How does it return to normal for those who've fallen victim to that, you know, indifference? I don't I don't see. I mean, let's forget about what about the businesses? What about the people who have, you know, like even yourself that have had to, you know, who not had to but who have lost their jobs and have had to apply for uh, unemployment and have to depend on the grace, you know, of government 
to keep that carrot stick out there just so you can just kind of keep your head above water and just choose today, which you've been down that road. Is today the day I turn on my heat or is today the day that I fill my stomach? You know, (laughs) you know, is today I have hot water, you know, or is today I I do without lights? You know, I mean, yeah, man, how, how do people, how do families, you know, man, I mean, I don't think what the real fallout from this is has been talked about nearly enough. You know, in this political yeah. game, I think it's been overplayed for far too long. While all the other things are still going on, right? You know, mass still. shootings and trials. You know, man, what a you know what a heck of a world, what a heck of a part of the world we live in, bro. You know, I worry yeah. about you guys every day. I worry about my three sons and their families every day, man. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. You know, um, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned mass shootings. Um, you know, so there's a lot of something just happened. I think today, right? California, I think, or something. Something happened today. Really? Uh, I haven't. I no, haven't really I was, been. Yeah. I've been preparing for the show today. I spent most of the day doing that, so I really didn't get a chance to check on anything current, but I think something else just happened uh, within the last 24 hours, if you will. And, you know, I talk about, you know, kind of a dark joke about the reality of Chicago. Well, some of the reality, Mm -hmm. because it's it's not that bad. But, I mean, it it is what it is. Um, And shootings and stuff like that. So, you know, there's this Asian hate that's going around that seems to be the new that's this, I'm going to say the new the new hashtag or the new trend or the new thing right now. We're going to get into that in a minute, but still, it's happening. Well, let's you know, not so use the always... word trend. <laughs> okay, well, I mean know, it, it. Yeah, it's the hot item in the in the in the, the news cycle item. right now. The hot yeah. Item. yeah, you know that's 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 the point. You know, I mean, there's a history of that, but we'll get into that in a minute. But I was just thinking, going back again, what you were saying how our decisions or our actions affect other people. We talked about people working in yeah. the hospital. But what about, yeah, what about people in the police force? You know, yeah. uh, they, there's, the, there's yeah. still the debate of gun right. control and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But with with these decisions yeah. that we make, how does this affect those police officers who are out here yeah. sincerely trying to solve crimes, trying to help the citizens of the people, uh, citizens of our country? Um, you know, so I, I even wonder too, how does that affect them? And and so we get more and more stories about mass shootings, more and more stories about different cases of lawlessness, if you will, uh, more and more stories about uh, Asian people of Asian descent getting getting beat up, you know, and getting abused, um, and getting killed. I think that's yeah. also something. That's, and, and yeah, you know, so I think that's something else that. We haven't considered, you know, how that affects even just the ability to keep law and order, if you will, throwing my two fingers up, quote, unquote, law and order, you know, out here and where we live. Um, so I just, yeah, I just wanted to say that that was something we should consider, too. But, you know, getting on uh, the the discussion or the, what would you say, the hot topic? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I said. What's going on? Yeah. The hot item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it's unfortunate. 
criteria that people are um, getting targeted based on their skin color and based on how they look. <laughs> it sounds familiar. Um, but what what's interesting is that it's not like this isn't the first time that America has shown or has displayed Asian hate. You know, that this has been going on for, I mean, of course, just as long as, um, I mean, as long as this country has, <laughs> as long as this country has been civilized, this has been going on, man. You know, yeah. even before Manifest Destiny was set up by the civilization, so-called, of this country, you know, and then it, it justified, man, man, I tell you. This this show of ours is just blowing me away. But go ahead, man. I don't want to take you off stride. You're making some very valid, I would, important points. I had, I had just said, you know, manifest destiny because, you know, with our discussions about manifest destiny, what's really interesting right, right. is that, that it provides that, that time stamp. You know, it provides those those moments in time. And when you look back, like, Oh, that was around the same time of manifest. Oh, that happened around that too. It's all around that. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah man. Um, you know, uh, is is eighteen? Well, you know, eighteen seventy-five. Is that within the time frame of? Uh, that's a little later, right? That's that's close. It, it doesn't the end matter. The century. No, no. But see, but that's not the way manifest destiny works. You're right on track with what you're saying. Everything that went on in the nineteenth century or the eighteen hundreds you know, revolves around that, that pivotal point of manifest destiny. That's when this country decided it was ordained by God for this country to just disregard anything that wasn't white, you know, and it just gave it permission because it decided by the law of province it had the right to just claim anything and everything and do whatever was necessary to own it in whatever way they chose to do it. So whether we're talking about, you know, the issues of civil war or whether we're talking about the issues of reconstruction or whether we're talking about the um, great compromise, um, whatever it is we're talking about, it's going to, the hub is going to be manifest destiny and the spokes are going to tap on those small dots of what you're talking about throughout the, the 19th century. It just all connects. Well, I don't talk about John Brown. It all is going to connect back to Manifest Destiny, the whole issue even yeah. about the arguments about what's, what, what are the rights, establishing the fact that there's a difference between the rights for f- free black people as opposed to no rights for, sla- to sla- for slaves. And slaves cannot be anything but slaves no matter what free state they may wind up in. You know, these are all the issues of the 19th century. And we're talking about just that. We're not even talking about women's rights. We're not even talking about child labor laws. You know, it's like whatever it is we decide to throw a dart at, if that dartboard is manifest destiny, that whatever we hit from the 19th century, it will connect in some form or another to manifest destiny, man. That's what I believe anyway. I mean, going all the way back to 1875, uh, the Page Act in 1875, um, which 
they use the term, which is a headliner uh, for the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, okay. and, and it's very, you know, looking at what happened in Atlanta, you know, I mean, you can go back to 1875 with this Chinese Exclusion Act. And uh, with this act, a lot of women, Chinese women, were targeted. And a lot of them were mm-hmm. seen as prostitutes, you know, and a lot of them came over here, you know, to be prostitutes. Some of them did come as, as prostitutes, you know, but, um, you know, this whole, it, it automatically sets this precedence, if you will, of sexualizing Asian women, you know, and and so you've got this, this seed already here, and then you we come to uh, what happened in Atlanta, and this guy's like, oh, well, they... They they made me do it, you know. Uh, they they just over sexualization charged me to, to 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 shoot these people, you know. To because I felt I was having a bad day, as they put it. You know, he was having a bad day. It's just interesting, and and like you said, it's our discussions and looking at something just as an example of manifest destiny and how these dots continue to connect and it kind of brings us to why we're here today. It's like, why are we, you know, why is this happening? Well, let's go back and look at it. And these are the dots that connect us to today and why these things are happening. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I have some mixed emotions about what's happening um, in, in the Asian community, in the Asian American community. Uh, and, and they shouldn't okay. be targeted. I mean, nobody should be targeted mm-hmm. on this because they're different, you know. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's not like, you know, it's not like there hasn't been a history of of Asian hate against black Americans. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's been some histories of that too. So there's this these these uh, conflicts that exist within America itself. So. Um, just me being transparent for a moment, I just find it at times to be, you know, I'm, I'm understanding, but, it, you know, and it, it sucks to be to, for that to happen. But I still right. remember, I still remember and see and have experienced, you know, uh, going into Asian establishments and being treated, you know, not very good. Uh, you know, we've seen videos where people are accused of stealing and being held down and, and grappled and tackled um, and, and treated, you know, the same way that they're being treated now. So it's just, you know, it just causes me to kind of have some mixed emotions about it. Does that make sense? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to answer whether it makes sense or not because it's you're stating how you feel, and the only person it needs to make sense to is you. And 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 from that regard, as we you know look at why you're feeling that way, here's the great struggle I think that America has in owning its violent behavior, and that violent behavior affects those who it unleashes its violence on. It's not like black folks have been healed from the violence of, of white America. It's not like Native Americans have been healed from the violence of white America. And so as this hate comes knocking at the door of Asian Americans, it's a reminder of the hate and the violence that has continued throughout the history of 
this um, white supremacy that is the foundation of this country that no matter how a person will react to the term white supremacy or white privilege, it's the reality of the time. This is what this country, this manifest destiny is an example of that. You know, the Electoral College is proof of that. The issues of voter rights right now is evidence of that. This attitude of white supremacy and the, the attack on Washington in, in January is further evidence of that. And the fact that those in Congress sit next to each other having to deal with not dealing with the obvious hate that exists right in their own chambers. Yeah, it can't help but to give you a, a, a mixed reaction because not only are you dealing with the atrocity of hatred that is being shown again um, predominantly by you know this, this racist behavior of this country, but it still creates a kind of a post-traumatic stress for you in remembering, wait a minute, you know, I, I remember growing up being victimized by the victim. So how am I, where my where where do my sympathies lie? You know, like right. yeah, I'm 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 for equal rights. But as and now here I am speaking for you, right? But as a young black man, how do I how do I pretend that the way you know other um, cultures of color treated me because they were taught it was okay to treat me that way before they even got here. Or since they've been here, they've learned that it's, you know, it's open season on, on black people. How, you know, how do you pretend that away? How do you wish that away? How do you, you know, how do you schizophrenically pretend that that never happened to you? Of course you're going to have. Well, here I am talking to you. I can't help but to feel, <laughs> you're okay. you know, that you got to have these these mixed reactions. I mean, it's. It's almost a requirement to be black and male in America to be a functional schizophrenic anyway. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the rules of the very country that have groomed us into a, a, a sort of malaise. You know, we're not, a, we're not raised to be, you know, actionary. You know, we don't dictate social policy. We react to social policy, and we respond accordingly. So this issue of, you know, Asian hate, again, just pulls the lid back on the hate that has continued for non-white cultures in our society and often non-male, you know, constituents of, of our society. How, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, we're having a relapse of hate because we have been doing so well with everybody else. No, no, this is a continuum. Now, the only, you know... Man, I don't know, and I don't want to trivialize it at all. No. You know, but you know what you're talking about. Yeah, how I feel it anyway. You know, we're talking about a culture of people that we went to war against. We meaning America. I'm saying we. Well, you know, I was drafted. You know, but not in not during World War Two. I'm not quite that old. You know, but um, but I have uncles. Well, I had uncles who who definitely, you know, served in World War Two and were wounded. You know, um, but a whole country of people that was put in jail because of what, you know, their, their, 
their culture did across the, the ocean. You know, they, I mean, they called them concentration camps or retainment, you know, camp, but it was, it was jail. You know, it was jail. And they were jailed because, you know, they, before they were American, before the hyphen, they were Asian. And that was justification to do then, you know, 70 years ago was being done now. And you're right. Back in 1875, you know, the Page Act was really, you know, the first restrictive immigration law that the United States passed. And you're right. It was directed more toward Chinese women, you know, which thinking about what's going on down in, in Mexico, you know, the U.S.-Mexican border was for the same reason, you know, to end the policy of open borders. You know, so this isn't, none of this is new you know, to American society, all it's all that's happening is that as we dig and delve deeper and deeper, you know, it's requirement that is becoming very difficult for America to do is to admit its atrocities, you know, um, to the, um, and I hate the term, you know, nothing, there's no term I hate, no word I hate more than minority, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, man. You know, and this atrocities directed toward, you know, non-white populations, you know, that have been, you know, just so conveniently called minorities, I mean, yeah. which in yeah. itself, what does this suggest? You know, I mean, man, you know, you know, lesser than the greater whole. That's what a minority is, you know, um, it, so, you know, like you, you, you yeah. don't you, you're not the controlling factor. So it doesn't matter if if you have um African Americans, Asian Americans, Muslim Americans, Native Americans, you know, it doesn't matter how many, you know, subcultures you have. They're never going to add up to being the majority in in a in a in a white male dominant society. But we instead have, have accepted this this brand of minority, man. Go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just you, you No, you you, you know, you, you you said you fired me up, man. <laughs> no, you you said you said just what I was thinking. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter uh, how many non-white categories they are. We we, we will never be more than more white yeah, Americans. Than the controlling, you know, it, yeah, it would, yeah. they will never be the more than the controlling right, controlling factor, whatever. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it, a, and it's the same. It's almost the same parallel story of black America, if you will, or even Mexican America. I mean, not to be treated, it is the same. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the only difference, the only difference, and there's a very small difference, is that, you know, okay, so in, in, in the Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, they bomb, they bomb Black Wall Street, they bomb uh, the move, move people in, in Philly, you know, but they dropped an atomic bomb in, in Japan, you know, in two different yeah, places, so that's that's yeah. about the only difference. But I mean, they dropped yeah. a freaking atomic bomb, man, on these people, you know. But yeah. if you look in up two spots, you know, if you look up two spots, in two spots, so and Japan and is an island, up, man. It's not a, <laughs> it's not that big, you know. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty man. serious, yeah. right? Yeah, it's you like know, dropping a bomb up, on on Honolulu and Maui. You know, it's like, wow, man. Yeah. How do you, how do you, you know, I mean, man. so there's history to it. And that was the whole point of me bringing it up. Uh, you know, there was an article that I had seen recently, and the article started out talking about, you know, Trump's America is still alive and well. 
and, and people of Asian descent, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, let's scratch that Trump's America thing being alive and well because this was happening before he got into office. You know, this is just something that has continued. So it's just not like this is anything new. And that was just my whole, that was really the whole point, you know, that this is something that has gone on for as long as Manifest Destiny, even before Manifest Destiny. Because if it wasn't really for the Chinese, we wouldn't have railroads. Well, you know, the Chinese and the other people that built the railroads, but they were a major part of the railroads for them to do Manifest Destiny in the first place. There's, you know, there's, and so you know, the it's, saying is, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. What's the saying? You know, that from the East Coast to the West Coast, the railways are marked by unmarked Chinese graves. You know, that they, they that was pretty much what was open to them, to come and work on the railroads, man. And they brought their cultures with them. So they had pockets, especially along the West, of, you know, pockets of Chinese, you know, um, immigrants setting up camp. You know, and, and this is little pockets of culture that were able to thrive along the rail lines, you know, but it's also where pockets of racial hate were able to thrive as well. You know, in 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act banned the immigration of Chinese men. You know, so you got the one in 1875 that banned Chinese women, and in 1882 they said, let's wrap it up, you know, let's get them all. And, of course, you know, Americans being Americans, they're not going to differentiate Chinese from Japanese you know, any more than they're going to differ, differentiate Muslim from East Indian, you know, um, yeah, or, you know, what, black from Cuban, you know, whatever, however, you know, man, this, in this country here, you know, um, the truth of its own history needs to be thoroughly exposed in our classrooms. You know, if we're not learning it early, it's too late later. And we can see that evidence, evidence of the hatreds that are constantly leveled is at constantly leveled at client or people, cultures of color. You know, I mean, it. it I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm saying all of what I'm saying to really feel what you're saying and what you said right from the start. You know, how do you deal with mixed emotions? when you cannot pretend your own experience in this country hasn't happened, you know, just as a result of showing up black, man. You know, just walking in the store that's, you know, that's, you know, not owned by you, you know, and being I, subject to – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah and I'm sorry. I hate to, to, to cut you off. I didn't, I didn't really want no, to. No, no, you're I'm not sorry. cutting me off. I cut you off. Go ahead, man. Go on. Please bring it. So you you just just two things. So you said um, um, and, and recognizing America's history, you know, like for real. Uh, and mm-hmm. some people might be listening, like, well, what did what do you mean by that? What are you saying? So I have this article in front of me, and the article is breaking down the history of Asian American uh, Asian hate in America. And in this one paragraph, it talks about this. Uh, um, it got to the 1930s and how whites rioted against Filipino-American men who, you know, they, they, they used to go to these uh, dance halls and dance with white women. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so, you know, they had that issue. And then it continues. In 1941, the war again at the backdrop, President Roosevelt rounded Japanese-Americans up into concentration camps. And then it goes into some other stuff, but it never really talks about the atomic bomb. It never talks about yeah. the what happened, you know. So now you got to go back and look at the war in 1941 and why there were concentration camps. Now you got to go back and look at, you know, all this other stuff that happened. And, and I mean, you know, so it's just an example, I think, of of reiterating of, of if you're going to talk about American history, you need to fully talk about American history and not just little parts that's just convenient, like people that party during COVID. <laughs> it's just convenient. You know, you just have to talk about mm-hmm. everything and recognize everything that's out there. So, yeah. again, I, I, yeah. I, just, just, uh, I just wanted to – I mean, because we can talk about that because I think it really has such a, res- a resonating effect with us just being non, um, non-white people and dealing with the same hate that they've had to deal with. And then we come into mm-hmm. the trial and we deal with all the emotions that are stirring back up from last year with George Floyd being murdered and killed in the streets um, with this dude's neck, his knee on his neck. You know, so now we're dealing with the trial and that's kicking back up too. So yeah, I mean it's it's difficult to and, and and there's these mixed emotions, you know, with even with the trial coming up. So I just wanted to add that on there. I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to add uh, from a black view with what's happening with Asian American hate, or if you even wanted to talk about the trial. I didn't know how you if you still wanted to touch on anything with that as well. Well, I mean you 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 you. Covered the width and the breadth of it. Anything I say is just commentary to support everything that that you've raised. You know, uh, you know. <laughs> how do you in America? How do you car? How do you compartmentalize? Compart? Yeah, compartmentalize. Yeah. Hate. Yeah. Racial hate in particular. How do you do that? You know, you can't. So even though that's how America might want to spin it. You know, because news cycles have to go with the hot items, you know, it it still doesn't relieve the people who have been traumatized by racial hatred all their lives to breathe, what, breathe a sigh of relief that, boy, I'm glad it's them and not us this time. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, when, when you've been victimized or traumatized by racial hate, Whenever it reveals itself, you relive it like you're going through it all over again. You know, so it's not like I can say, oh, man, poor people. No, poor them, poor us. You know, it's it's a collective of hate, you know, and that's the real trauma of it. And we see it playing out and out over and over again. So George Floyd becomes like a paradigm, you know, a paradigm that is no longer shifting but with these added elements of hatred being, you know, shown again through mass murders, you know, and, and, and directed toward another group of people of color at this particular pinnacle of time, again, you know, we, we, we're reliving culturally the trauma of racial hate along with the trauma of, you know, racial injustice. You know, like George Floyd is one of many black men and women, you know, who, what, what did you say to me the other day? 
you know, what did the victim do this time to, to justify being murdered by the police? You know, right. it, it, that's a heck of a statement you made. What did the victim do, you know, in order to justify them being murdered by the police? You know, so it's it's not, it's it, it's making the victim the perpetrator of the misery. You know, well, you know, man, but we live in a in a country that demands that we do that. So we talk. There's no place talking about it right now that doesn't reconnect back to seven the 1700s or in the in the Native American case. The 1600s. You know, the Indian War started in the 1600s. It didn't end for 200 years. That's a hell of a, yeah, I agree. You know, drop a bomb on the people and that's bang. That's, that's a, that's a, that's trauma. That's, that's an inhuman act in itself. But to declare war on the people in their own country for 200 years until they're all but decimated and, 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 Eliminate it, you know, um, and then to pretend like like um, Reagan did that apartheid in South America has nothing to do with, you know, North America. I mean, South Africa has nothing to do with, you know, the United States of North America. You know, how do you do that? How do you avoid policies and agendas when historically what was going on at the time in South Africa was parallel to what has continuously gone on in, in, in this part of, of North America. You know, but when history, well, you know, until lions have historians, right? Hunters will always Hunters be heroes. Will always be heroes. You know? And so when history denies the people of the time, then who are their mouthpieces? You know, so, yeah, man, it, it's, it's no way of, man, what? I've been around, I guess, too long. <laughs> but I hope I'm around a little longer. <laughs> no, you no, know, wait, don't know. say that. Man. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> you know, to, to to see this recycling, the only thing that brings it more to light is because we have MSNBC and Google, you know, and camcorders and, and video um, 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 videos on cell phones. You know, I remember when it was a, novelty to have a cell phone you left a ringer on so somebody could hear your phone ring and you say "Ooh, they got a cell phone you know now somebody's cell phone rings it's like hey man will you turn that damn thing off <laughs> you know so you know so we have all these te- technological devices that makes it that much more easier to see what's going on but it doesn't matter because we still are going to deal with the same process this, that this country has always done you know that that um that scale of justice where you got the lady mm-hmm. who's blindfolded holding up the two scales. You know they ought to change yeah. that and and show that lady you know um, peeking through the blindfold. You know because justice is not blind in America. Justice sees fully well what's going on, and now the people are catching up with the game. You know and the double standard though has become such a way of life such a conditioning, you know, it's become such a, in, in, in psychology, it's become such a conditioned response, you know, that the schizophrenic behavior kicks in. We know, you know, that we're living in it. We know it's not right, but we have to pretend 
that we don't know. You know, and that's as schizophrenic as you can get. And our actions have to belie that. You know, we have to reflect the very thing that this conditioning requires, that we don't see and we don't react to what we see and we should react. That was the, that was the very foundation of slavery. You know, man, so how could you not go through a plethora of reactions and feelings when I'm sure a part of what also has gotten stirred up is like, you know, we haven't even gotten up over We haven't gotten through George Floyd yet. And you all are already acting like our issues are passe. You know, what's up with that? So, okay. Yeah, Let me go get cool over off it. For a second. Let me go. Yeah, yeah. get over yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go, man. Get <laughs> over it. Exactly. You know, get over it. Get over it, Daddy. You know, I, yeah, I mean, you know, what? Wait, wait, wait. You've been so busy crying about Black Lives Matter, what? Other lives don't matter anymore? You know, that's not mm. even, you know. Anyway, yeah, you're right. Get over it. Man. You know, you, you had no, your it, opportunity it, yeah. to, you had your time. You had, and your time has been well served, but now move aside. We got we got a new spin right now we need to deal with. And, and so, <laughs> other than yeah. that, Wilfredo, how's your day? <laughs> Hey, you know, how's your week? How you feeling? How you living? Who was that? Was that Bernie Mac? How you living? Who you with? Who you with? That's what it was. Yeah, yeah there you go. Who you with? Okay, yeah, but I think we beat this dead horse long enough, man. So if you're okay with it, I'm ready to shift out. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And with I, it. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm glad. Apologize to everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So have we chased everybody away? I don't even think they showed up, but that's okay. okay. Um, they'll show up later. But you know, and and they'll be here. And and as a reminder, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, our shows are uh, rebroadcasted on your favorite platform, from Spotify to uh, Google, Apple Podcasts to uh, K Dub Radio, DubCityRadio.com. Um, Dub City Radio's Wednesdays at six p.m. and you can find uh, our shows broad- archived, like I said, on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. And Blog Talk Radio at your own convenience as well. So um, we always enjoy input, so we hope that you all are catching up on previous shows, and please contact us and let us know what you think. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'm looking in the chat room. I'm feeling kind of lonely, man. We had nobody showed up. (laughs) It don't matter whether it's two or 2,000. You know, it's still going to get what we have to offer, right? Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Amen. Every time. So I assume there's, so, I I assume there's nobody in the queue, right? No, no, nothing in the phone lines. Nothing. Uh, the chat room is is pretty pretty quiet tonight. They're probably listening, but nobody's in the chat room. You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there. So that's that's always the wow, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's a conspiracy. I think Blog Talk Radio has, <laughs> has shut us down. <laughs> Somebody has just having a phone conversation, man. It might have been them trolls from last week, you know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, you got to check these pill. guys out. Yeah, I saw Purple Peel jumped in and jumped right out. You know, I guess they decided they didn't want to be cut off again. You know, right on. Good. Oh. Um, well, they, I did want to spend a little. Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Oh, you yeah. wanted to spend some time. I just wanted to spend a little time touching on a couple things. You know, uh, we're past. I think we're, we've covered Asian hate. We've covered voting issues. You know, and and I'm satisfied with my comments regarding George Floyd. I don't want to cut you off. You know, really, it's not the trial of George Floyd, right? It's the Derek. Um, how do you pronounce his last name? It's the okay, yeah, the Derek Chauvin murder trial. It's not the trial of George yeah. Floyd. It's the Derek Chauvin murder trial. You know, right. man. You know, I mean, we got you know we got proof of that. Now, however, you know, I I know they're not done making George Floyd the victim, the perpetrator. I know they're not done turning the victim into the perp. I get that, but it's still the Derek Chauvin murder trial. George Floyd is not on trial. You know, okay. But again, I don't know if you want to add. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, because, cause, I mean, again, the victim has to justify their own death. I mean, they yeah, had a, mar- a martial arts guy to tell you that putting a neck, putting your knee on the back of somebody's neck will do this. <laughs> I mean, they know that stuff. Because and telling them, and telling anyway, them in I'm real sorry. time, and, and, and no, and telling I'm them in sorry. real time, not after the fact. Telling them in real time, hey man, this is what you're doing. Oh yeah, well, you know, look here, my man had no problem just putting this. I'm surprised the dude didn't start whistling while he had his hands in his pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, did he? Mm-hmm. I thought he may have. I mean. He may have. You know, he make, sure looked like make he was the crowd very comfortable. Yeah, man. Do a little dance. Yeah. Sorry. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah. And nobody has any idea what that means. <laughs> Go ahead. They, they sure they do. Yeah. Sure they do. Yeah. They got it. Yeah. They yeah. may yeah. not know exactly what it is. I know. That's all right. That's all right. But you, yeah. but you wanted to spend you, – I had cut you off. You, you had something you wanted to, to share. No, no, you didn't cut me off, man. Um, I just wanted to be sure you got everything you needed to say about George Floyd, man, and and Asian hate. I'm going to be sure that you've gotten a chance to put your voice in, into all this, you know, before we move on. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I, I'm I'm fine. Um, I I just in in closing, as far as those topics are concerned. And I know we can go more into the voting rights because there's a lot more to that, and maybe we might have to revisit that next week uh, because, I mean, mm-hmm. something just happened in Texas. Something just happened in Texas. We still have the issue in Georgia. You know, Arkansas is passing rights about uh, LGBTQ community, uh, trans issues. So it's a lot of, of, of things that are happening in legislation um, and it's a lot of things that are happening at one time. It's very interesting. It's not like there's just one thing that's going on and we can talk about this. Like, that's happening, that's happening, that's happening. They kind of, it's kind of like, man, wait a minute. You know, if you're in a fight, it's like, man, you know, I can't really see what's going on because I got my guards up. There's so many things that's happening. But, um, and I know we can probably spend another hour just on voting rights. You know, the John Lewis Act, what happened to that? You know, has that been buried in, in, in legislation again? You know where where is that? Um, so I, I know that might be something we may have to revisit another week. Uh, what do you what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean I think so. I, you know, I, but that see, 
we can talk about all those acts or, or laws or whatever, but it's, you know, where I am, man, right now is the attitude of the people, you know, mm-hmm. not not the conversation of politics. You know, my feel right now is around my attitude as a citizen. You know, yeah, sure, you know, we're not, America by and large isn't up to date on, on laws and acts and, 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 you know, even the themes of Congress, what they're supposed to be about what they're supposed to be held to because that's that's not how our country operates. You know, we we like this country likes to operate under a veil of ignorance. We'd rather keep our heads buried in the sand. We'd rather pretend that America is just one big cartoon, you know, or maybe that's too too severe. Uh, just one big movie, you know, that there's no reality associated with it. So, you know, this country isn't doesn't hold itself Jesus doesn't hold itself to anything right now, you know, and and that's that's the frustration that I feel. So we can talk about all that other stuff, but the bottom line is, to me, what's you know what's being done, and and there's powerful people out here who are doing their part, and that's what I like to give voice to. Like I it, it, even, you know, I want to start this um, monthly award to I want to call it the My Man Award. Every month, <laughs> but you know, I haven't talked to you about that. So, I'm, you know, I've just been thinking about you know, like, and the my man, the world ward is androgynous. So I'll probably have to figure out another name to make it all inclusive. You know, but, um, again, I don't want, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to be sure that you okay. But I did want to spend some time talking about the United Negro College Fund, but I want to. Wait my turn in line before oh, I do that. Oh, yeah, we actually were. Yeah, that's right. Um, in the yeah, what? <laughs> please, please continue with the with the United Negro College Fund, please. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about Vernon Jordan. You know, in his past, uh-huh. and and you raised the point of him being, you know, the first black president of the of the United Negro College Fund. And then you went into some detail about his involvement with the Urban League. And you gave a real nice, um, I felt a real nice um, memoriam, you know, about him. But it stirred something in me, both first from him because you mentioned um, UNCF. But then, if you remember last week, um, Milton C. Jones was the first um, African-American to hold a chair, you know, on the board of directors with the um United Negro College Fund And it was almost like a collective Oh my god really After all this time There's never been a a, 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 a black person Sitting in a, in a chair Of the board of directors And I even remember reading a comment On Facebook that somebody made A young lady and she said Why are y'all acting so surprised Don't you know it's, it's a white owned And run organization And I had no gas In my tank to respond one way or the other because I realized how little bit I really knew about the United Negro College Fund. And so here comes the greenhouse effect again. Like, okay, Bill, before you talk about it, learn about it. So I thought I was just going to learn about Milton C. Jones. Man, two days later I'm blown away by reading about 
what the United Negro College. Now, maybe you know all about it, and maybe everybody else who you know knows all about it. I didn't, and I don't, and I admit my embarrassment of not, you know, having as much of an awareness about it as I feel I should have. And I just wanted to spend, if I can, just a, a few minutes talking about it. Um, what do you think? Yeah. No, I, I I would like that. I don't think that, um, you know, we've probably seen some articles here and there through social media, and it's like a what? And that was kind of it. So no, I, w- I would love to get uh, yeah, get your points on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I think it has an amazing history. But before I get into that, no, I can say this for next week because it's, you know, that's the kind of thing that can be cabled to next week. All right, first of all, you know, um, the thing starting that I like to do is right from the beginning. And where does the beginning start? Well, it starts in 1944. So that's when it was founded. Now, at this point, most people do think, for no, they have no reason to think otherwise, that, you know, if somebody says, well, you know, it was really a white organization, you think 1944, United Negro College Fund, okay, so maybe that's got some truth to it, but it's not accurate. You know, it was um, founded by Frederick D. Patterson, who was at that time the president of Tuskegee Institute, and Mary McLeod Bethune, who was also acting on the board of advisors to President Roosevelt. But I did not know she was involved. Man, how could I not know that Mary McLeod Bethune was not involved? With her Her whole thing was about the importance of education for black people. How would I not even put that together? So there's shame number one. Wow, you know. Um, Milton C. Jones being the first African-American chair to the board of directors, not knowing that there had never been any other. There's my second one. Whack. You know, in um, you, um, let's see, it has a different, it has a difficult acronym. So it's not UNICEF, you know, it's UNCF. It's a scholarship and financial support charity that's located in D.C., and it's run right now. It's, it's president and chief, and its its current president and CEO is Michael L. Lomax, and he's been running it since 2004. But here's here's where it starts to me really unfolding. It has an annual revenue of almost 75 million dollars. The nation's largest private provider of scholarships and other educational support to African American students, and a leading advocate of college readiness, meaning, you know, a leading advocate of college readiness. Its major thrust is preparing students, you know, of color, educationally from preschool through high school to go into college. I mean, you know, I mean, I've heard about UNCF all my life, but I never really understood what it was truly about. Um, So founded in 44, um, it's two of its main funders, I think people assume must have been its main um, organizers or its main providers, you know, were, were um, John D. Rockefeller and um, at that time, anyway, um, 
President Roosevelt. So I think that's why people just thought it was run by white folks. But no, it wasn't founded by them. They were just the main contributors to funding drives. Um, and this is kind of what they did. And Rockefeller, in fact, sat on the board until his death in 1960. And it wasn't until 1970, you know, with the selection of Vernon Jordan, um, did African Americans began to gain full control of UNCF. So Vernon Jordan, you know, began to shift the direction of UNCF by, in 1970, making it a little bit more black inclusive, meaning he set out to enlist the help of black entertainers and athletes alike, alike to take an active part in its ongoing drive to provide these um, funds or these um, different types of scholarships to black students in need. In 2005, UNCF supported approximately 65,000 students at over 900 colleges and universities with approximately $113 million in grants and scholarships. I mean, we're talking about really, it's not like, you know, a mom-and-pop thing that's just being cute. We're talking about an active organization that has a single-minded focus on education, about 60% of these students were and are, uh, about 60% of them, man, were and are the first in their families to attend college. You know, where 62% of these families have less than an annual income of $25,000. Now, I'm on Social Security right now, you know, and... Just in, 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 in getting Social Security, which is my retirement, I get a little bit over, well, I get close to $13,000. So that's just me. That's half the income of a family, yearly income of a family that UNCF supports to help the students who otherwise would never get to college have a chance to go to college. I mean, not just, man, maybe it's passe. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of it. But I'm sorry, this is impressive to me, you know. UNCF also administers over 450 named scholarships. So it's not just we throw money at you. We're going to give money to a particular skill, a particular um, knowledge, a particular reaction that your test scores indicate you would specialize and excel in. Man, I just, you know. Vernon Jordan's arrival as president led to a dramatic increase in direct appeals to black Americans, and especially graduates from those black member colleges in 1980. And this is what I remember, but in 1980, now you got to remember, I was still kind of, I mean, you were, what were you, eight in 1980? Uh, uh, eight or nine, something like that. Okay. Well, you know better than me. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's say eight. Or let's say nine. In 1980, UNCF enlisted singer Lou Rawls to lead an annual telethon to raise money, raising more than $200 million through $200 million through 2006. 2006 was the year he died. Now, I remember in 1980, I have a vague memory of seeing the Lou Rawls telethons, but my mind was elsewhere. I wasn't interested in telethons that raise funds on, on the um, public broadcasting network. You know, so, you know, I, I really didn't pay much attention to it was UNCF that he was leading these telethons on. I just saw it was something that he was begging for money for. 
And so not paying attention, I, I did not allow myself to fully invest in just what UNCF had to offer. But I remember Lou Ross, who was my man, you know. I still walk around singing his tunes, man. I remember when he died, I, I, because they no longer had LPs back then, I rushed out and bought a CD, you know, that was one of my favorite LPs of his, you know, um, and I, you know, I listen to it periodically today. So anyway, Which in one? addition to providing, um, I was afraid you would ask, because I don't, I don't have it in front of me, and um, let's yeah, see. Um, no, it, it, it's I think it's called Solin. Yeah, that's what it is. Lou Ross S O L I N. Lou Ross Solin. Yeah, S O U L I N. You know, and you know that cat, that that cat had you know he had that creamy voice, man. But he could also hit those baritone notes as well, man. I just love yeah. the way you know, and he was. He was kind of like a barroom singer, you know, and that's where he really, you know, cut his grain, you know, hitting the chitlin circuit. So Solon was the name of the um, CD album. And uh, I had the whole thing at one point. I had the whole album memorized, man, the whole CD, every song. You know, um, that's when I thought I could sing. And I remember trying to impress uh, my, <laughs> my second wife, Tammy, with my singing ability. And I thought I had Lou Rawls down pat, and I was singing a song of his tour. And I said, tell me who this sounds like to you. And I was banging it out, man. And she looked at me with that pain look on her face that she still gets today. And she said, it sounds like Willie Nelson. <laughs> that brought the end of my career. Oh, no. Career. <laughs> oh, no. Willie Nelson, yeah. yeah man, oh, no. Last so last, week, and last I, week you were dancing like a white guy, and this week you singing yeah. like Willie Nelson. I, singing like I, Willie I'm, I'm Nelson, some issues. Man. Yeah. I'm going to have yeah, some issues man. tonight. I don't know if I can sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have seen me trying to do this this happy dance or whatever it's called. I don't even know what, what Jan calls it, but I was, you know, trying, and she knew what I was doing, so she had it down. She was moving her arms. She said, you got to put your shoulders and neck in it. And I was trying to do it, and she called her daughter and said, look at, look at Uncle Billy. And then her daughter took oh. one look at me, walked away, shaking her head. So it's like white boy has returned. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, let me let me wrap this up right quick. So, um, in addition to providing for the now 39 member institutions, it also provides over 100 million dollars in financial assistance annually to over 65,000 scholars who attend both black and non-African American colleges and universities across the country. Again, slap slap. I didn't know that. And here's the last thing, the kicker of it, for me anyway, you know, in an effort to reflect the growing diversity of people of color in colleges and universities around this country, the United Negro College Fund has rebranded itself. Now, see, if I had read that rebranded itself, if I had read that, oh, a couple, 24 hours ago, I would have had no idea what they're talking about rebranded. Isn't that what they do to cattle? What are they talking about? But, you know. Son number one schooled me on the on the brand, what a brand <laughs> is. So the, the United Negro College Fund rebranded itself as the acronym. So they don't call themselves the United Negro College Fund anymore. They call themselves UNCF. You know, that's how they describe and define themselves. And the reason for it is because they recognize a growing, diverse um, college population of color across the country. I don't know if I agree with them making that move like 
you know, um, NAACP, NAACP still, you know, refers to, um, you know, colored people in its in its brand. And I think that personally, the United Negro College Fund should have kept the history of it, you know, to keep its to keep its own history consistent, you know, and and um, not cause that compromise when it, in in my mind, didn't need to. You know, if you call yourself the, the United Negro College Fund and I qualify for a scholarship, I don't think I'm going to turn it down because you call yourself the United Negro College Fund and not UNCF. But that's just me. What do I know? So anyway, man, I just wanted to throw that out there. I just thought that was an amazing thing to discover. I want to, you know, give a, give a nod and give a, a, a heads up and an acknowledgement of the greenhouse effect to once again inspiring me to um, to do research in an area that I otherwise would have had no awareness of, man. And right on, giving me permission to even talk about it tonight. So that's all I got about that. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, that you shared that. I mean, it's like what we just talked about earlier. And what you talked about it before, um, you know, American history. Um, you know, it, it, with with uh, Jones's um, announcement, if you will, with the announcement of Jones being elected, you know, it it like I said, I would use you look at on social media and see people see the article title, and be like, what? You know, it draws that mm-hmm. attention to this yeah. this truth, if you will, that wasn't really known, you know, and just like we talked about with American history and the things that connect the dots, it's like we know it, but we yeah. don't know it. And you there's know, the so, point, right. You know, we, we really didn't know, you know, it, it really but, didn't, but, yeah. but it, it, it was like, um, you know, it's not like, White America tried to hide the fact that uh, no, no, that they that no. they that they had this steady role in UNCF's history, right? They didn't try to hide mm-hmm. it, and I mean, it was like, yeah, not at all. We're right here, not at all. No, because white America is very involved in it, the history of it. Fair. So you know, Fair. like um, before he was elected president, Kennedy, when he won his um, Pulitzer Prize for his book Courage, I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, not courage under fire, you know, the profiles in courage. Yeah, when he won the Pulitzer for that, he donated all the money to the United Negro College Fund. Now, he was rich. He could have donated it anywhere, but that's what he chose. You know, so, you know, I mean, like, um, there are white fingerprints all over UNCF. So, no, white America had no reason to hide that. If anything, it was a badge of, of, of consciousness. Ah. I'm ashamed of me for not knowing more about it. That's on me. Yeah, well, what it, what was that you said? Slap, slap. Were you were you hitting yourself? Slap, what was slap. That? You yeah, slap, man. slap. Yeah, that's what I. Jeez. Yeah, that's what I. <laughs> you know, like man, y'all the shame, shame, dude. You know, hey, look, you know it don't take much wow. for me to crank up my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> I'm always well, you know I, an excuse to be ashamed of myself. Yeah, I understand that. I understand yeah. that. 
No, but yeah. it's 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 this it's this stuff, man. It's it's yeah. I was watching I was watching and reading I was reading something and watching a video about your why and um and preparing for the I'm show. About what? No, you're watching um, what? Why? Your why? Why? W H Y. W H U. Excuse me. Okay. Why? <laughs> the why? Okay. Um, okay. And, and in this in this discussion of American history and everything that we've been doing, you know, this is like the why, and not the what. Like you know, we can talk about our show. Yeah, we we have the show. What we do is that that my dad and I we do this show on Thursdays and Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings, uh, write your own book club. Uh, yeah, you know, and we do this and we do that. But the why, you know, the why when we have these moments of of interventions or moments of aha, you know, that that we don't really talk about. You know that we see this dude. In uh, his election, you know, we kind of know it, but we didn't know it, but we just kind of went past us and we didn't really talk about it. But then when something else happens, then we'll kind of research it maybe. You know, it's just this, this uh, like you said, connecting the dots. I'll just leave it at that. So I'm just happy to be able to show you know why, and they, one of the examples of why we do this show and connecting the dots and looking at where we are right now. So, um, that, that, you know, I just enjoyed listening to your your points tonight. So thanks. Yeah, and I I think we do. You know, I think we do a a, a, a fairly good job of presenting the why. You know, I, I I know it's a regular part of my conversation whenever I'm talking about. Thursday show, you know, is to talk more about the why than the what, you know. Um, actually, I find it easier to talk about the why than the what, you know. But one thing mm-hmm. I do believe, there's no point in even talking about the what of a thing if you don't know the why of it anyway. You know, they go hand in hand. You know, one cannot survive without or thrive anyway without the other. You know, the what and the why is the drive for knowledge, man. You know, I mean, to me, anyway. So I, you know, again, I, I, this this time spent this last year, this last year, these last year, this last year spent doing these shows with you, man. It's been, you know, it's been a rebirth for me, you know, and um, and you know, and creative <laughs> energy. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, absolutely, absolutely. So, I know. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So you know, what are you, I, saying? you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there's a show we've done where it hasn't reflected the why of our doing it. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a random process we engage in, man. We, I, we spend some, some real energy in, in, in this. I see you got somebody in the chat room. Yay. <laughs> A lonely drifter. <laughs> I think that's somebody you know. Yeah. Oh, um, so anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, man, uh, this has been this has been again a very intellectually enlightening and satisfying you know time spent with you, going over the highlights and you know, the and the um, depths of issues. That are going on in our society right now. 
yeah. and we still haven't talked about, you know. But then again, I don't know if we need to feel like we have to talk about everything. You know, I, I know there's, you know, shootings in Virginia Beach and, it's, you know, conflicts in California. We still haven't, you know, covered the width and the breadth of what went on in Atlanta or in, in, in Boulder, Colorado, you know. Um, the themes of coronavirus and the continual ignorant behavior of those who are governing various states that have a history of, of spiking as a result of uh, indifference toward masking and other restrictions. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know if we could ever, at any given Thursday, be sure to capture everything that's going on. Because you know, there's always something going on. Today I made it a point not to. Usually I watch the news while I'm preparing my part for the show, and I made it a point to do blackout, man. I didn't even turn on the news today, so I could just focus on what we laid out an agenda to cover. Otherwise, if I'm looking at the news, there's something else that's gonna, you know, shift my focus. Like right now, the whole you know rescue pack. You know, the whole infra- infrastructure theme. All this is where the shift in the, in, the, in the news media has gone now. You know, it's already drifting away from Asian hate. It has long since, you know, disappeared from Black Lives Matter. Oh, I know it's got the trial of, of um, Derek Chauvin on, on, like, MSNBC. Well, that's ratings effect. But what is it that you're going to learn? From listening to that trial Are you going to learn that, that George Floyd died because a police Officer put his knee On his neck for nine minutes I mean the, all the rest Of it is hyperbole Alright so all these people were talking to him And all these people were reacting in the crowd And all these videos were taken And now the lawyers have their day in court But George Floyd was murdered you know, and if that's not the conversation, what's the point? You know, what's the point? So, I mean, anyway, uh, how are we going to cover all that, man, on any given Thursday? I don't think we could. I think we do a pretty good job talking about the why of things. And at the same yeah. time, leaving it open for people to make comments. I think that's pretty cool, bro. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I called yeah. you bro on the air. Yeah. Never thought I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> hey, my man. My man. So, yeah. So, so anyway, man. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, The Greenhouse Effect, live on Blog Talk Radio with me, Will Green, with my dad, Bill Green. Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Write your own book club. Um, yeah, this is me and my dad. This is how we get that. Hey, thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks for giving me that plug. Well, actually giving us that plug, you know, for um, Saturday morning show. It, it It's my constant reminder as the news flips by day by day um, how important it is to be – formulating the uniqueness of one's own story. I've never thought it more important than now, you know, that personal statements of who I am be left behind 
for fear of what someone else would do with my story if it's left up to them. You know, I yeah. I, I think I think there's a, a debt due to those we leave behind to know what we what we stood for and what we were the about. Truth. I hate the clarity. Well, yeah, yeah, the truth, also the hope, also the dream, you know, also the the the, the, the failing and the setback and the and the struggle, you know, all all the things that I was denied access to by by my parents, you know, they're you know like not really knowing the history of my dad, only hearing the stories of his peers, my uncles, about you know he was drunk this, he was drunk that, ha ha ha, you know your dad, you know he loved trips to Gary because he said it, how far was Gary? About a pint, you know, ha ha ha, you know, I mean those were the stories they told. And it's not for my art teacher, my first day in high school, I would have just thought my dad didn't do anything but drink for a living. You know, but my art teacher, man, C.W. Johnson, bless his heart. I can't tell you too many teachers I had in the five and a half years I was in high school, but I remember C.W. Johnson. And the funny thing is, he was only my art teacher for one semester, but I never forgot him. You know, the, you know how, how he would do in school. I don't know if they still do it. You would, um, first day of school, first day in high school, you would talk about a little bit about yourself, where you came from, what you're about. And um, anyway, gave my name and, and named my parents, and he came up to stop me. And he said, wait a minute, before you leave. And he asked me if, if J.O. Green was my father. And nobody called him J.O., you know, except his close circle. And I said, yeah. And he said, your father, you know, uh, taught me how to draw. My art teacher in high school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my. I think this is the first time I'm hearing this story, man. I think this is the first time I'm hearing this story. Yeah, <laughs> man. I, really, man. You know, I mean, I just, you know, can you, you know, I mean, like, your father taught me how to draw. Now that should have been it. I should have excelled in art in art class and all that, but I was actually mesmerized to such an extent that by me not knowing my father and by me hearing this, my first reaction was, you know, well, I know I'm not going to be haunted by the ghost of somebody who I didn't know. And I lost interest in art art class from that moment. You know, I had, there was no legacy for me to live up to, you know, that was anything positive. Now, I learned over time to appreciate what my art teacher told me, but I did not appreciate it at that moment. And I also learned from um, from him and others that my dad provided free lessons at the Art Institute. So whatever he was, it didn't matter. The Art Institute saw his skill and allowed him to set up shop, man. You know, and nobody who got lessons from him said, you know, are you a drunk? <laughs> you know, they they looked at his, his work and wanted to learn how to do that. You know, your Uncle Jeff, you know, walked right in his shadow. I'm not in his shadow, but followed his steps. Jeff was one heck of an artist. You know, I mean, like, I saw, I wish I had him. I don't have one of I don't have one. I don't have one thing my dad did or your Uncle Jeff. I wish I did because I could put, compare the both of them, and you wouldn't be able to tell who did it, man. They were just incredible artists. But, you know, wow. so if we're not telling these stories, and unfortunately my parents didn't. I mean, my mother 
I was with her every step of the way when I was a shorty and on through high school. I was a great disappointment, but I never knew to what extent, you know, because I never knew, you know, what she went through when she found out, you know, that I was not even going to school. So I, I, I don't know what, you know, I don't think I was faking grades. and I'm, sure, I, I'm assuming she was kind of bragging on me, but I don't know how to what extent the embarrassment was. She didn't beat me up about that. She didn't put me in a corner and say, how dare you embarrass me like this in front of my sister after I talked about these wonderful grades only to find out you forged all of them? She never, she never browbeat me like that. You know, she wasn't happy. She didn't just wave a stick yeah. at it and say, oh, well, you know, things happen. No, she, she was very disappointed, but she didn't, she didn't just, you know, just undress me with her disappointment. And maybe she should have. But, you know, she was trying to figure out how to be a mom. She was a single parent. And I didn't even think of her. Well, I did not even think of my mother as a single parent until I wrote Mastering the Art of Failure in Relationships. And the comment made by the interviewer when I did that little three-minute interview, she said, so your mother was a single parent. And it was at that moment I realized she sure was. She raised three sons all on her own because my dad, you know, I mean, he died when I was 11. But long before, you know, he died, he had kind of abandoned her. Mick knew him best. Jeff kind of knew him, but I didn't know him at all. But I didn't realize all my life it was just my mother. But I don't know anything about her story. That's my point. I don't know anything about her story. You know, um, there was no, you know, dialogue with anybody, especially her, that told me anything about her dreams, her aspirations, her hopes. You know, I knew this, I knew because of my close association with her that she loved boxing, and she loved baseball, and she loved basketball. Yeah. She she was all right with football, but boxing, base, I guess if football had started with a B, maybe she would have liked that too. <laughs> she liked baseball, <laughs> boxing, and basketball. <laughs> so maybe that was the extent of her of her grasp of sports. They had to start with a B. <laughs> Man, I, you know, like she didn't like Ali, you know, but she loved Floyd Patterson. You know, she loved hmm. Ernie Banks. She loved the Cubs. She she loved the White Sox, but she loved the Cubs more, you know. Hmm. And you know, she loved she loved her she loved college basketball. You know, Loyola was yeah. her favorite team. Of course, they won the NCAA championship in '63. Yeah, go ahead. Well, wow. I'm sorry. I'm no, going just, down memory just, lane. Just all, these, yeah. just all these influences that I've experienced, uh, again, connecting the dots. For me, it's connecting yeah. the dots. You know, I, I can recall Amen. sitting with you, you know, watching college basketball. When I was learning about basketball, we watched college basketball. Yeah, you know, uh, baseball. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I was playing baseball, well, before I was playing baseball, we watched baseball. <laughs> that's why I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen, that's why I opened the show talking about Today was opening day in baseball. So now you see these dots, yeah. even like in this show tonight, you know. Yeah, right. Man, right <laughs> on. A trip. Yeah. You know, but. But you know, but, when I think about again, you, I'm just going to cut in right quick, because my favorite story when I think about you, I, and I love that. I love I love your stories about us almost as much as I love mine. <laughs> but my favorite <laughs> one, man, was you crawling up next to me, man, and sitting on the floor with me while we sat. You were like 11. And we watched Gandhi. And Gandhi is a movie of all dialogue and no action. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, 
the action's at the beginning and the end when he gets killed, you know, and then it's flashback, you know. And, yeah, there was some violence towards the people, but it was all dialogue. And you sat there through this three-hour movie at 11 years old, man, watching Gandhi with me. You know, that's a moment that I'll never forget. You know, that, and that was so important to me because that was, like, for me, the moment I felt I re-entered your life. You know, because up to then, you know, you, you know the, the gap in between. And I felt like that moment shared that you could sit there with me, you know, through that long movie. You know, and and not squirm or not, not dad. When's this movie going in? <laughs> but sit there like you were taking it in, man. That's when I felt like I re-entered your life, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so wow. important to me. Yeah, that's why you think it's so important. Right. What? Mm-hmm. Closer? What are you saying? To me, to me, yeah, to me. That's why I think oh. it's so important to me. You know that movie and that time spent with oh. you. To me, that was you know for me that was like the. The benchmark. That was the moment. The mem- that was like, you know, I, I I talked to your cousin Ray a lot about, you know, um, the unremarkable days of our lives. You know, that there there's many more of them than remarkable days. I can't tell you any of the other days of that year. I have no idea, but I can tell you about that one day because that was the one remarkable day of that year. I'll never forget. Yeah. And it had to be like eighty two, eighty three. I came yeah, out of treatment like in eighty one. I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. I'm I'm glad that we had this moment. I'm glad I had it this moment. I, I I can't speak for the audience, ladies and gentlemen. I I'm sorry, but I'm I have these difficult moments sometimes of doing these shows with my dad because sometimes I I sit here and just um uh, not in I guess in awe or whatever, but I just absorb everything. And, you know, I want to make sure that our sounds are right. You know, I want to make sure that you all are being attended to if you're in the keys and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just, even for me, just to sit back and hear these things. But I'm glad that, so so tonight is really cool for me, too, because, you know, originally <clears throat> I had talked about goals and stuff like that. But right. I know we're only like five minutes left into the show, so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But even with these five minutes that are left. Uh, okay, so, so you know, uh, before, I think last week you had asked me about the post I made on social media. I said, what, what challenges, goals, or tasks, or something like that uh, will I, or do I choose to complete this week or at the end of this month? And, mm-hmm. and I was just reevaluating myself and my goals. And the show was about a, a completing goals. So, Getting ready for the show, man, I, I the, the night before, yesterday, not the night, but yesterday, I was doing my to-do list and stuff like that. And I was doing goals earlier this week, you know, just thinking about the goals, getting it together, structuring it. Right. And even yeah. just that, yeah. those, that process of structuring the goals, identifying the goals, uh, and making this to-do list and outline for myself, I think even just helped me, helped me tonight. Uh, to to have these extra few minutes of you sharing what you shared with me, I mean, I didn't really get a chance to get into the goals, but we were able to outline the show. You know, that was part of the goal. Uh, and so, you know, next right. week, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'll we'll talk about goals and stuff like that because one of the things that Dad and I wanted to talk about 
not only just goals, we we hear a lot of people talk about goals, right? But we don't really talk about why it's difficult to accomplish the goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. You know, I mean, we can see these mm-hmm. posts, you know, what am I going to do? What challenges do I put? But it's, it's difficult. You know, you can look it up, you know, and they'll, they'll give you all these different ways to accomplish the goal. But it, there's not a lot of things. You can Google it, whatever, but it really won't get into why it's difficult. What is the challenge in just doing it itself, you know, doing the goals and accomplishing those goals? So I know next week we'll get more into that. You know, I know we all have goals and tasks to achieve. Uh, there are personal goals you may have, um, pers- uh, your present relationships, maybe financial goals or professional goals, anything in your career. Um, but setting and achieving goals requires specific steps and a concrete plan. We only got three minutes left for tonight, so there's no way we can get into that tonight. But the thing that I wanted to leave with you all before we go, you know, again, looking at and examining why is it difficult? Why don't we set these goals? You know, and for me, I'm going to let you know this before we go, a moment of transparency. Sometimes I didn't really think it was any use in setting a goal. You know, I, I just, yeah. you know, leave the idea. I'll leave the yeah. idea out there in the universe, you know, and maybe I'll get an opportunity. You know, I might get lucky, you know, she may air and kill a fish. <laughs> but I wouldn't. The, the whole thing was that I was trying to make sure that I wouldn't be disappointed. I was trying to figure out a way to reduce the disappointment in the process. I was cheating myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and another thing. Yeah. Another thing is that is that is that I was worried about what other people think, but I didn't realize that until later on, as I've gotten older. You know, I was worried about what other people think. I'm talking to other people, telling them ideas, and then I'll get negative input, and I'll be like, "Ah, that's all right." You know, negative input produces negative output, right? You know, as as, as I agree. Think, yeah. So that's, that was just a couple of points I just wanted to, to touch on before the end of the show and that we can continue uh, to talk about goals next week. So next week, well, you know, we can talk. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, you know, instead of trying to squeeze it all in two minutes, it's a good tease and make it the focus of where we start next week. You know, um, exactly, exactly. Leave some on the plate, exactly. man. Leave some on the plate. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, yeah. there's there's plenty yeah. there's plenty on the plate. But I just wanted right. to leave a moment uh, to share myself. You know, because one thing that you yeah. taught me, you know, while we're doing this show, it's not. You know, I can I can put all the nice posts about you, you, you. But what about me, Will Green, <laughs> sharing to hey, you man. the people? Hey, you know, so my man, my man, my man. <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to make right. sure I, I put that on tonight's show for right us on. to get more yeah. into next week. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's uh, very mindful. So, very mindful. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye-bye. Right <laughs> so, yeah, next week we'll get Seriously. more into it. Yeah. Um, right. No, I, was, um, I was being serious. Yeah. You were being serious? Okay. I thought you were like, yeah. oh, that was good, yeah. though. No. Yeah. no. I'm learning. That, that, I'm learning. That's what, I, that's what I'm you learned. Well, that's what you taught me. You know, you taught me about mindful practice and the five concepts. So I'm looking at the notes right now. <laughs> All right. But I'll talk All about right, that All right, ladies and week. gentlemen. 
Yeah. Right. right. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, same time, same channel, uh, Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Love you, man. Thursdays, love you too, Dad. Saturdays, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, write your own book club. That's on Dad's Blog Talk site. Green. Yeah, I should be crying. If you stay to be happy as I lie here on the rooftop in the rain, I'll say.